Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Energy News Beat Podcast. My name is Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. I have a gigantic treat for everybody on the podcast today. We are here with Cyrus Brooks, and he is with RABC. And I mean, it is a fantastic event in Africa. And we also have the Secretary General at the African Petroleum Producers Organization, Omar Ibrahim, and I'm so thankful for being able to get to see you guys. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're most welcome. Oh, <laughs> really, I, we're really lucky to have uh, His Excellency Dr. Uh, uh, yeah, Farouk Ibrahim here. And he's he's put an incredible message uh, forward on uh, uh, to the conference during Africa Energy Week. And so I look forward to having a few minutes here to to go over his uh, his big message. Fantastic. And I, I've been looking at everything you've got. I love your messaging. Can you tell our listeners some of your main points that you're talking about at the African Energy Conference? Thank you. Um, we are here. This is the third edition of the Africa Energy Week organized by Africa Energy Chamber. Um, essentially, we are focusing on the energy transition okay. and how it's affecting Africa. And our position as we prepare to go to COP28 is that for too long, the agenda for COP conversations have been set by people who really do not understand the plight of the Africans when it comes to energy. We have 600 million Africans who live without access to electricity. 900 million Africans do not have access to any form of modern energy out of 1.4 billion. Wow. And we have been told that we should quickly transit from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Right. For obvious reasons, that if this is not done, there will be catastrophe uh, in the world <laughs> and so on. Now, in a society where most of the people do not even have access to electricity, what exactly are they transiting from? The second question is, how did we get to where we are today in terms of the climate challenge? We have been talking about making efforts to end fossil fuel use or radically minimize emissions. Right. Um, and we have been asked to do the same thing as the developed countries are doing. Everybody is being asked to minimize or, if possible, eliminate the use of fossil fuels. Right. And the question is, we see the current challenge in terms of global emissions as one challenge, but that is not correct. Where we are today is the result of activities right. of some countries that have, for the last 150 years, emitted beyond their fair share of what right. they should emit into the atmosphere that is a common patrimony of everyone. Right. About 250 to about 2,500 2, 2, megatons right. of emissions have been put in the, into the atmosphere in the last 150 years. Right. But when we come to talk about finding solutions to the climate right. challenge, we are talking now only about future emissions. Right. What are we going to do to stop increasing right. emissions? Right. Nobody is talking about removing what is already in the atmosphere. Right. And the technology for that is there. Exactly. All we are, well, all we are asking is 
since the countries of the north right. have the resources, have the technology, why don't they really enhance the development of this technology? Right. Deploy it and remove even 20% of <laughs> the 2,500 yep. megatons of emissions that they have put there. Right. So if they remove 500 megatons, right. that imminent calamity will not be there anymore because the concentration right. of emissions in the atmosphere will not be there. Exactly. That will also give the countries of the South, particularly Africa, the opportunity to use fossil fuels, which today is the most reliable, affordable, and available. Yes. Doctor, we're talking about humanity, and this drives me nuts. Natural gas and your great African reserves need to elevate all of that humanity out of energy poverty and get them to a quality of life. This is humanity. This is, and I love the way you phrase that. Let the Western and everybody else that's polluting, like China is putting in all of these coal plants because they want to elevate their people out of energy poverty. Let's do that. Exactly. That's exactly what we're saying. Now, I wonder as well, we have a natural gas and and there are huge, huge, huge reserves for natural gas, which natural gas and you also have uh, LPG propane, both for uh, cooking and right. for fuel, for transport, transportation can be for heavy trucks, can be for diesel, can be for the mining that the right. world needs, and as well as closer to the cities gas-fired power generation can also mean, uh, you know, less uh, emissions for that are near population centers. And uh, what, what do you see for the role of, of uh, uh, natural gas as a bit of a cleaner fuel, you know, for Africa's own use? Absolutely. Africa has over 650 trillion cubic feet of proven natural gas. And if we are allowed to use this fuel, it will definitely fundamentally change the lives of our people. Yes. Now, look, there is a lot of hypocrisy in this energy transition conversation. Right. Before Glasgow, uh, up to Glasgow, we right. were being told that all hydrocarbons are about right. coal, oil, gas. Right. Up to uh, Glasgow. Come the crisis between Ukraine and uh, Russia, right. the very people that were telling us that oil and gas and coal are bad. Right. And that basically what I was saying was that before the Russia-Ukraine war, uh -huh. we had been asking the developed countries to help us with investment to lock out this gas that we have in right. plenty now uh, grounds. Right. And we were told it's bad fuel. You can't get money for bad fuel. Right. When the crisis started, these very countries rushed Africa. They were in Senegal. They were in Nigeria. They were everywhere. Right. We have money. We are ready to give you to produce the gas, provided right. that gas is going to be shipped to Europe, not to be used in Africa. That is not Africa first. And that yeah. makes me so mad. Doctor, is there uh, any way that we can recommend and how do we get to the rest of the markets? Um, and how do we get the word out that there needs to be a ch extra export tax 
on anything leaving Africa to pay for infrastructure in Africa. It infuriates me that the West is taking advantage of Africa without paying for it. Why are we coming in and not helping build your infrastructure? Or if the world uh, financial markets are charging you for extra uh, to put in renewable energy, that's wrong. How do we get that word out? Well, I, I think uh, in the last few years, there's yep. been a lot of change uh, in Africa. Good. People are not looking at things the way they were doing in the past. Good. People are questioning a lot of some givings right. in, in our society. Right. People are a lot more critical of accepted givings. And for example, Right. At the African Petroleum Producers Organization, right. which was founded in 1987. Right. 1987, until after the Paris Agreement. Okay. And it is after we started looking critically at the implications of the successful prosecution of, basically, uh, the, uh, the African Petroleum Producers Organization, APO, right. was founded in 1987 by okay. eight oil and gas producing countries. Okay, great. By 2015, when the Paris Agreement was signed, we have added three new members, making 18, and okay. we are targeting another four by the end of uh, next year. Now, Fantastic. basically, what we uh, one of the first things we did was commission a study on the future of the oil and gas industry in Africa in the light of the energy transition. And the findings of that study were three. One, we are faced with the imminent challenge of the collapse of the industry because of lack of funding. Yes. For, for the 72 to 80 years that we have been producing oil and gas on the continent, we have relied heavily on finances from outside of Africa. Yes. Institutions and investors that you declare these right. 650 billion proven gas reserves or 125 right. billion cubic feet of gas, I'm sorry, a trillion cubic feet of gas and 125 billion uh, barrels of oil, right. stranded assets. Right. Two, the second is a question of technology. For the nearly 100 years we've been doing this, we have failed to master the technology and expertise right. of the industry. We have relied on international oil companies and international right. service companies. And the third is the market. Right. Up to today, Africa exports over 70% of its oil. That's wrong. That's bad. And over 40% and over forty of its gas is also exported. Yet, Africa is the continent with the largest proportion of its people living in energy poverty. Um, Secretary General, this is such an important topic. Um, I would like to follow up uh, next week with you and whenever we can fit into your schedule with Cyrus. This is too important of a topic. And I really want a longer podcast with you to really get your long term story out there. But I want to hear what happens at this conference, because yeah. this story needs to get out because the energy hypocrisy around the world needs to be changed to humanity and get Africa first. And I think the I, geopolitical. I think sorry, yeah. 
I think there is one one thing we we'd like to to look at. We 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 talk about um, there is also a divide on the um, we talk about the finance yes. on the, oh, the yes. you know European and the the Western or United States uh, financiers and also the international banks. And um, there is there's a couple of initiatives. Um, of course, there is there is also the finance arm of the APPO and um, uh, working with a new bank, uh, the Africa Energy Bank, which uh, yes. you mentioned. But but there was one more aspect, which is, I, I noticed at this conference, there is, uh, you know, a fairly large presence from Russia. And uh, I wonder whether the policies of the United States and Europe and the political policies uh, right. may be kind of restraining uh, producers and investors uh, on the Western side and right. pushing Africa towards uh, Russia and and uh, China, um, right. not to be political, but just to to say, well, uh, you know, what what choices do you have, you know, and, and uh, your thoughts about uh, that, because it was also I, yes. so actually it was also in. Uh, last year in September, when the European Union, right. uh, European Parliament, uh, wrote the uh, criticism of the ECOP the and Uganda's uh, pipeline, uh, they mentioned specifically they were concerned about Russia and China. <laughs> but I was a little bit curious about that because at the same time, the, the finances are constrained from Europe and Africa. And I, I wondered uh, about uh, this European-China uh, connection. Are you being pushed? Uh, is Africa being pushed in that direction or right. what your thoughts are? I, I think in the past, there was this blind followership that we look allergy and so on. And things are changing because yeah. um, the, the countries on whom we have been relying on for the last nearly a century right. for finance, Right. And technology for the industry have right. decided to move on and they have at the same time directed the institutions that have been helping us to fund these projects to stop it. Now, given our situation right. where we are so backward in terms where we are, like I said, energy poverty, we are number one in the world as a continent. Right. Our women, our children die from inhalation of uh, biomass. Uh, right. fumes, cow dung, sticks, and biomass are used for cooking and for right. heating homes. Right. What, what what do they expect us to do? We are open to anybody that is going to assist us right. to develop our energy sources in right. order to change the living conditions of our people. There's we nothing not wrong with... To, so I'm so sorry, sir. You've got to go with either Russia or China, because I'm going to be honest with you with the stupidity of the West. You have to go wherever the energy can help your people. I'm so I'm totally we are not going to bind ourselves to any group. Whoever is going to help us, we will go with. There are no permanent friends in life, but permanent interests. But you got family and you've got to take care of humanity. Exactly. You've got a family. Family matters. Humanity matters. And the West has forgotten humanity. And I really, really love exactly what you're saying. And I, I throwing a, a little bit of a question for a long term plan. Cyrus, yesterday when you and I were talking on our podcast, 
we had a great conversation on a long-term plan to get to the last mile to eliminate those uh, wood, cow dung, and everything that people are cooking off of. How do we get to that last mile, but yet incorporate it into the natural gas and of the cities? We have to get out to everyone out there. How are there any thoughts on on getting out to the propane like you had talked about? Maybe you rephrase yeah, let me, that question. Let me, let me rephrase that. I mean, you know, one of the the uh, uh, four like micro moving from micro economies in into smaller towns and cities, uh, you know, a scalable. I mean, I think this is one thing that you, you can't scale very well, you know, solar and, and, and wind, particularly because of the intermittency and, and so forth. But, but, you know, on the other hand, um, you know, propane and, and so forth can scale because you can set up, uh, you know, LPG and propane, you can set up uh, connections and then eventually those can become pipelines and, and, and so forth. Um, so I, I wondered, uh, uh, you know, they have uh, LPG, they have propane, they have uh, natural gas, they have uh, liquefied natural gas vehicles. Uh, we we're talking about that in an earlier session on, on uh, for trucks. Uh, and also in Nigeria, it's a famous compressed natural gas for vehicles. What do you see as as the um, natural gas um, and those products um, being part of a, you know a scalable building of the economy in economies in Africa? I think there is an acceptance of the fact that with the global energy transition, fossil, uh, fossil especially um, putting away coal and to some extent oil gas has become the fossil fuel of choice. And a number of countries on the African continent have accepted that, and they are trying hard to put up infrastructure that will make the use of uh, gas popular for transportation, for domestic use, as well as for industry uh, in the mm -hmm. continent. Yeah. I, I know for, for sure that in, uh, in a number of upper member countries, including Egypt, including uh, Algeria, Nigeria, uh, Equatorial Guinea, a lot has been done in, term, uh, in terms of providing the infrastructure for this right. to become the common source of energy on the continent. Right. Yeah. Uh, How does that play into the uh, kind of in the U.S.? We it's, uh, when I was when I was younger, actually, when I was I was quite younger, I remember very clearly it was beautiful. It was um, this like the buses, public transportation. It was this bus is powered by natural gas. It was promoted right. when I was young as a good thing. But recently it's been, especially in the U.S., very demonized as, you know, methane uh, is bad. Uh, natural gas is a misleading word. Uh, we should call it fossil gas. I mean, all this kind of a, a little bit quite nonsense uh, 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 right. propaganda. I mean, methane, natural gas. Yeah, it is methane, it's, mm. but it's a simple molecule, CH4. It, it does, it burns fairly clean. Yeah. So what do you think about changing this narrative? Uh, because I think, as you yeah. said, I think natural gas uh, has it opens the way it seems to open the way to to better economics and it also right. is is cleaner than many other other fuels i i think the thing is whoever controls the media everywhere normally um right. dictates a lot about what uh, how the public sees um issues right um, whether it's in the developed countries of the world in the north or the south it is the same and 
at the international level, it's also the same. To a large extent, what are discussed on televisions and uh, in the radio and newspapers uh, in the developing countries are essentially what is dished out by those who set the agenda from the developed countries. To us, what is important is what will help us change the living conditions of our people from what it is today to a better one so that at least we secure their lives, their health, their education, food, etc. To us, really, this is the most important. Not whether uh, the climate is collapsing, uh, there is going to be a climate catastrophe or not. Our position is that if the developed countries of the world today, those emitted the largest proportion of the emissions in the atmosphere, are the ones that have been blessed with oil and gas resources, Right. We will not be talking about energy transition today. What we'll be talking about is the development of technologies that will allow right. the continuous use of these fossil fuels at the same time not destroying the planet because they will develop the technology that will aid, enhance the removal right. of, of emissions. But mm-hmm. nobody is talking about that today because if you do, then you are going to continue to sustain the dependence of these countries on other sources of uh, so energies that they don't right. control. And all these countries have resolved to be energy independent, energy security. And the only right. way you can do that is to demonize this, right. what is readily available, what they have used to develop their economies and their countries and their people. Right. And then if we don't have it, then nobody else will use it. That's the way we see this uh, energy transition right. station. Do you see, doctor, that there's two components, that it's education, getting the word out through non-regular media, but it's also business in, I think Africa could be a gigantic market for the West if they woke up and and provided uh, electricity because all the younger kids have these dang iPhones. And and the kid, think about how many iPhones you could sell in Africa if they had the infrastructure. If uh, the right. West was greedy and they really wanted to sell more, you think that we would want to help you guys? Yeah, it, we need to build the market, and uh, you know it's it, it's an investment. And uh, you know there's uh, no more worthy people on this planet than in Africa. If, if there was a nuclear war, where would you go to be safe? You'd go, you know, to Africa. Um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> Africa has the resources. Africa has, you know, so many things. It, it, as, as he said, uh, you, you said something I, I hadn't really thought of before, which is if, if all these resources, if the minerals and the gas was actually in Europe, uh, that would be an interesting conundrum. See, they, they can demonize it also, right. because it's not it's not there. They're not willing to frack. They're not willing to, you know, drill and and all this. But they're happy to drill somewhere else uh, in in somebody else's backyard. So there's a little there's more no. than a little. I, I, I don't think that they are not willing to drill or to frack. They don't have enough yes. to sustain them. Right. The largest proportion of the world's hydrocarbon reserves are outside of Europe. Yeah. Okay. So basically, that is it. Let me give you an example. In 2002, oil prices were just about $23. Right. At that time, if you want shale oil, you can get it at less than 70 something dollars. 
Right. And there was deliberate attempt and it succeeded in manipulating the oil market such that in five years, oil prices jumped from about $23 per barrel to about $150 with the objective of making shale competitive. They did. Mm -hmm. And it was competitive, but for a short while. And it collapsed. Tar sand in in, uh, Canada was also given that, but it didn't work out. Now, the point is, if it had succeeded and there was enough shale and tar sands, believe me, we would have continued to produce oil and nobody would say the world will see a catastrophe. Right, right. They are not fracking and they are not drilling because what they are going to drill will not sustain them for another 20, 30 years. And they are Um, smart. They look beyond that. They look beyond 30, 40, 50 years. Right. Uh, On your organization with the African Petroleum Producers Organization, what is your goal? You've got the the 8 to 12, 10 countries that you're uh, binding to get. 18 18. countries. Fantastic. What is the main goal and how's the participation? Because those 18 countries binding together is huge. That's a big statement. Yeah. And I, I would also like to add, if we could, you could mention a little bit about the, the training that you're talking about, training centers yes. for excellence. Well, basically, uh, like I said, following our concerns about the effect of energy transition on the economies of our member countries. Right. And uh, having conducted a major study, which I mentioned about finance, technology and markets. Right. We have decided to not look outside for solutions as we have done in the past. Nice. We have decided to look within to solve our own problems. And one of them, the finance, we are right. establishing with AfriExim Bank, the right. Africa Energy Bank. The Africa Energy yes. Bank is going to open to all sources of energy, but our main focus is going to be fossil fuels, essentially oil and gas. Fantastic. Yes. And our member countries are going to contribute and buy shares into that company. That is fabulous. Uh, also open to any uh, group or investors that share our vision about the future of the oil and gas industry. That's huge. We, yes. If there are partners from Europe yep. or America that are in the oil and gas industry and if they believe in our cause, we welcome them. We welcome partners from the uh, Middle East whose right. economies uh, who also have a lot of these uh, resources. Right. That's it on the finance. The okay. second is technology and expertise. Right. For the last 75 or more years that we've been producing oil, each African country tended to create or establish its own oil and gas training institutions or research centers. Right. But the major researches that have breakthroughs are not conducted in Africa. They are conducted by research centers in Europe and America. Right. By the IOCs, etc. We have decided that it doesn't make sense for each of the 18 oil and gas producing countries and the announced six potential producers to continue to waste money on this project. Rather, we have decided to establish regional centers of excellence in the various sub-regions of Africa so that we have center of excellence in upstream in country A, downstream in country B, in a region midstream services, etc. And in doing this, we are prepared to go to the United States. We are prepared to go to Canada, nice. where they have excelled in the technology of oil and gas. Yes. Come and partner with us to do this. This because is cool. We, yes, that's exactly what we are working on. That and is a solution. 
Yes. In fact, I was at WPC in Calgary last uh, last month. Yep. We started conversation with a number of institutions. We went and saw their laboratories. And we're so impressed. Yep. And instead of bringing them to individual African countries, no, we'll bring them to these centers of excellence. Help us develop this to the standard that will say it's truly interesting. This is making my day, sir. I, I really, I, I just really, this is cool because it's and the why education. Not, why not have these places where all the action is happening? Exactly. I mean, they got so much action happening in, you know, Namibia and Angola exactly. and Senegal and all these Equatorial Guinea. They got tons of action going yes. on in Africa and Mozambique for gas and LNG. And so Absolutely. with all that action, why not have, you know, uh, these research centers near the action? Exactly. Exactly. What a great. And, and it's the younger generation. It's the jobs. It's the high paying jobs. And that fans out to the communities. Exactly. You get high. High paying jobs. You get technology. This is exciting. I want to help get the word out. And you brought that up, uh, sir, on the media being uh, shunning. And fortunately, I built my own channels and we have a very large reach. We're in 150 countries and we want to help uh, elevate everything that you said and be a regular resource for you. Forget it. We get uh, we've had four million article reads on just my podcast this year. And we wow. are at we're over a million downloads right now for just the downloads. That's not watches. That's not listens. That's yeah. just downloads. So wow. we want to get your story out as many times and as much as I can. So any of the other leaders that want to help get this out, I want to help articulate and get to the other CEOs and oil companies that I know yeah. and help bridge that communication. If I can at all possibly help. Texas. So okay. he's got the oil, uh, oil uh, guys. Uh, <laughs> great. Great. We'll be very happy. Yes. Uh, in have, fact, yes. yesterday I had my cowboy hat on at the biggest international <laughs> oil show and I had my cowboy yes. boots on yes. and yeah. talking to Cyrus at the show. So again, yeah, sir. Okay. Yeah. Thank right. you for your thank, thank you for you. your time. I am so very grateful and I'm looking forward to our next visit. Thank you. And we're going to publish this out and we're going to get it out. We will tag you and we're going to get this story out for you. Thank you for your time, Secretary General. I thank and, you very much. I thank you. I thank and, you very much. And, and Cyrus, thank you. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you all very much. <laughs> <laughs>